Uncle Owen! It's R2 unit has a bad motivator, look! Having trouble with your drug? Your drug? These two droids. Both are hard working and will serve you well. Droid. 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 We serve their kind here. You're listening to We Serve Droids, your favorite monthly Star Wars podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Chris. And tonight we're here to talk about the best of the sequel trilogy. Yeah, uh, 7 through 9 are finally all available in one-stop shop on Disney+. Plus. So what better occasion than to give them all a rewatch? Well, if there's things that I love more than good occasions, it's delaying set occasions. (laughs) Obviously, uh, uh, a much beloved recurring bit of We Serve Droids is none other than Cross the Streams. Beloved's a strong word, maybe. (laughs) Beloved by us. (laughs) There we go. Not sure what our listener thinks of it. Apparently, I discovered there is a new Scooby-Doo movie that exists. Yeah, you told me about this. I was... I was shocked as well. Yeah, this one is an animated one, and I was looking at the cast, and for some reason, uh, I think I saw that, um, was it, um... Jason Isaacs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, who does he play? Uh, Captain Gabriel Lorca in Star Trek, and, like, <laughs> no, Discovery. Oh, I'm sorry. I was trying to give, like, his most recent role. And then, of course, most recently is, is it Dick Dastardly he plays? <laughs> yeah. Like, the most Scooby-Doo of all Scooby-Doo characters, if you're watching Wacky Races, I guess. (laughs) I'm not sure why he's on it. But obviously, uh, from back when we did our Revenge of the Sith episode, we we combined Dick Dastardly and Snidely Whiplash into the greatest thing we've ever produced, (laughs) Dick Whiplash, (laughs) who is, of course, General Grievous. Uh, Uh, So, in honor of, of Dick Whiplash, who for some reason is in this Scooby-Doo movie. Uh, Let's cross the streams (laughs) and we shall, for some strange reason, fantasy draft Star Wars characters into the Scooby-Doo team. All life as you know it, stopping instantaneously. Human sacrifice. Every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Dogs and cats living together. It would be bad. So I need, I should have done this ahead of time, I need to ready up the third member of the We Serve Toys podcast, and that's the random number generator. Oh, all hail the random number generator. <laughs> Long-time listeners know that Chris and I huddle around the random number generator like so many apes around an atomic bomb. I'm curious how far down the uh, the Scooby family tree you've gone for, for casting here, to be honest. Or I guess I should say down, down the Dew family tree. Oh gosh, I just forgot about. Uh, yeah, I'll have to re- quickly add add some extras. <laughs> <laughs> the weird thing about the Do family is that there's like it's like a you know how like medieval houses have various cadet branches. Yes, <laughs> I feel like that's what happened in the in the House of Do because Scrappy Do shares the Do name. But then Scooby Dumb and Scooby D, so they're part of like the Scooby Cadet branch of the House of Dew. They're they're a, a lesser line, you know. There's got to be a lot of um, 
like a King Ralph type situation before they're, you know, ascending to the Dew Throne, that kind of deal. <laughs> right. All right, Chris, the almighty random number generator has given us our first pick. And to see who goes first, I'm going to unrail, un, un, unveil another uh, special guest to tonight's podcast. And I just so happen to have a chance cube. Oh. I have these, like, licensed Star Wars chance cubes that came from Disney World back when going to Disney World was a thing. <laughs> well, they're worth their weight in gold now. <laughs> Disney World, that place has been closed for years. <laughs> Disney World is now haunted by Scooby-Doo villains. Yes. <laughs> Just Bob Iger running around in a mask or, or whatever. Right. We'll say uh, the Qui-Gon gains ownership of Anakin Square will be yours. And the Qui-Gon gains ownership of Anakin's mom's square will be mine. <laughs> now this, I don't really feel good about rolling this cursed cube now. All right. I have you up first, Chris. All right. And the generator has given us Velma. Velma. Hmm. I feel like it's got to be, uh, got to be like a 3PO kind of character. She's, um, you know, always losing her glasses, kind of the... Maybe the comic relief, the the knowledgeable one, but maybe not the most popular, you know, kind of cast aside. She sometimes gets sent with uh, Fred and <laughs> Daphne, but other times just, you know, is regulated to going off with Shaggy and Scooby. <laughs> that is the funny thing about Velma is, is the other teams are clearly set. Mm-hmm. She, like she, she's the one without the best friend. Everyone is her friend, but she has no best friend. But yeah, that's that's a good that's a good call. Three PO sort of comic relief know it all. I like it. I'm thinking someone who wears glasses so that they can lose them. <laughs> and there's not a lot of Coke bottle frame wearers in the Star Wars universe. Oh, there's there's one. Uh, and I'm gonna go with Maz Kanata. Yes, I was I thought about that one. That's a good one. I think there's a scene somewhere where she pulls the glasses off. Yeah, and her eyes are kind of wrinkly and small, and I I can just see her, you know, crawling on the ground. I think Velma does that, too, whenever she loses her glasses. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't you hate to lose uh, lose your your Ma's glasses down in the, like, you know, cave of forgotten dreams she has below the castle? (laughs) I think that's maybe why she, are are they attached to, like, her helmet or something at this point? Seems like a, she's almost got, like... Mr. Toad style goggles out of them now. Oh yeah, good call. She just reaches down there and pulls out, you know, some form of eyewear whenever she loses something. This was Yoda's glasses from <laughs> 200 years ago. How did he get them? That's a story for another, <laughs> for another <day>. time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, next is Fred. We'll do this snake style. So maybe I'll go first and kind of do it that way. Sounds good. My only sole uh, thing I care about for picking a Fred is someone who can pull off an ascot. <laughs> it's the only thing I, I care like about Fred, and I think who can do that better than, than Poe Damron? Mm, that's a solid Fred pick. He's handsome. <sighs> He's the, like, quasi-leader of, like, groups. Mm-hmm. Kind of bossy, you know? Great hair. I mean, what's not to like? I'm going to have to set up my Fred pick for um, my eventual... I think maybe Vilma pick. I'm sorry, my Daphne pick. So for Fred, uh, you know, who's the other blonde-haired uh, main character, if not uh, Luke Skywalker? 
Maybe there you go. Maybe especially um uh holiday special extra blonde Luke Skywalker. Oh gosh, yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's Fred Blonde Luke Skywalker. Kind of pulls the mask off of that Wampa. <laughs> Luke never really decapitates anyone, does he? Uh, I don't think so. Not that I recall. I feel like Fred is always the one pulling the mask off, right? Yeah. I feel like, I, in retrospect, I wish I had picked Mace Windu and the way that he pulls the mask off of Jango Fett. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see who he really is. Yeah. Oops. Oops. <laughs> and you pick next. It is none other than the eponymous Scooby-Doo. Uh, all right. Maybe a boring, obvious pick, but I'm, I'm going to get Chewbacca. Has hum- they both have humanoid qualities. You know, they both can kind of communicate with, you know, the one person they're they're most closest to. Kind of thinks with his stomach. Yes, right? that's He true. goes after that Ewok trap. That's a very Scooby-Doo thing to do. Yeah, there's, there's Porgs. Like, he just see, like, sees the Porg and it just, you know, does the, the wavy effect into, like, a giant, you know, like, <laughs> like 20-tier sandwich or something. <laughs> Like a like a big leg of lamb or you know a cheeseburger or something like that. So you're talking about a you know a questionable ability to 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 speak, and that you know took my mind into thinking that the ability to speak does not make one intelligent. <laughs> which means I feel like now I have to pick Jar Jar for my Scooby. Uh, yeah, I mean it's uh, if we're if we're being honest, he's probably is the most Scooby <laughs> Scooby <laughs> character. Yeah, he also, uh, you know, kind of overly thinks of the stomach, right? He, like, kind of slurps that, um, that like, chicken leg down in the in the, the town square uh, that gets Sebulba mad at him. Yeah, on, on, like, more than one occasion, is that right? <laughs> I think in the same movie. Seems like that. He gets his, like, his tongue caught in that uh, oh. death ray in between the pod, the pod racers. That's a very Scooby-Doo thing to do. Ugh, we're getting more choice now. Good one. <laughs> So, next we have Shaggy, and I'm not going to lie, I really wanted to pick Luke for Shaggy. I mean, I considered it. And the reason I wanted to pick Luke is because we all know what Shaggy's doing in the Mystery Machine. Yeah. Right? You don't get that (laughs) hungry by not (laughs) doing drugs. (laughs) He's like Munchie Central. Right? Yeah. And we know what Luke does uh, in Tatooine, and that's Death Sticks. Yes. <laughs> Who hangs out with Jar Jar? That's that's the problem with Jar Jar's Scooby-Doo, is does he have a, a compadre? Unless you correct me with a better better friend. I'm going to go with young Obi-Wan, uh, and that he's there kind of stuck with, with Jar Jar, and he's got that Padawan rat's tail. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of shaggy. I was trying to think of that Gungan that's that's with Jar Jar. Oh, um, not again, Jar Jar. Yes, that guy. That guy, yeah. yeah. So, who you got for Shaggy? Uh, I was thinking the Death Stick guy for the drug analogy, but <laughs> you, you kind of talked me out of it. <laughs> well, he kind of looks, he's got a good look for it, too. I don't know why I didn't just, when I already made the joke, I don't know why my mind didn't just go there. You want to buy some Death Sticks? Who, who actually owns the mystery machine? Is it? Is it Fred? Is it Shaggy? Is it kind of like a communal thing? I always got always the impression that the kid is like that Shaggy owned the mystery machine, despite the fact that Fred was always driving. <laughs> yeah, Fred was, well, we know why Shaggy's not driving. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, I feel like if you're the one hotboxing in it, surely you own it, right? I mean, the, the the paint scheme like led me to believe that you know it was it was Shaggy's car, and he's just paying for gas as long as someone else drives. Yeah, I, that sounds right to me. With, with the mystery machine being, you know, the the weird, creepy hunk of junk, I, I'm thinking I might give Shaggy to uh to Han Solo here. Oh, maybe nice. Not, maybe not the best of comparisons, but. Hey, it lines up with my picking Chewie as Scooby-Doo, so there we go. Right. He and, and Chewbacca hiding in the uh, floorboards. That's very shaggy Scooby, you know, kind of kind of hidey hole kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Just picking up, you know, random people to go on, you know, adventures with. So number five is let's see who this really is. So who is, mm. you know... Trying to uh, dress like a fish monster to, you know, dreg the lagoon for pirate gold or <laughs> dress like a ghost to scare people away for pirate gold mm-hmm. or dress like a vampire to scare <laughs> people away for pirate gold. <laughs> the Scooby-Doo universe has a lot of pirate gold in it. I mean, they're pirates. They go around, they bury the treasure. I mean, what kind of... You know, what kind of pirate actually spends his money? <laughs> right. <laughs> They're like squirrels getting ready for winter. <laughs> yes. Ah, <laughs> uh, so for my I guess mystery character, I feel like this is, you know, what this character was unwittingly turned into. But uh yeah, I'm gonna pick pick Snoke there for being just a cloned version of you know, oh, yeah. Of, of, of old man Palpatine, essentially. <laughs> Let's see who Snoke really is. Yeah, exactly. That's perfect. Yeah, he had his mask removed by, by Kylo Ren. Yeah. <laughs> in that um, Mace Windu kind of way. Yes, very much from the Mace Windu school of, of let's see who's under this mask. I'm going to go with Lando for wearing the mask and helmet in Jabba's palace. Oh, yeah. Mm. And that scene we both love where he pulls the face guard down. (laughs) That's a very eyes move behind the portrait kind of moment. (laughs) He he pulls the mask down. Someone turns toward him. The mask is back up. (laughs) They turn away. The mask is down again. When uh, Leia unfreezes Han, Jabba, and the whole Jabba's palace crew starts like chasing them. And they're like... (laughs) Running in like one yeah. door in that corridor, and running yes. out of a different one. Yeah, like the like the long hallway with like four doors on each side. Do <laughs> they yeah. just keep going back and forth? That's kind of the corridor that they take, like three PO and R two down. Oh yeah, and they're like down the, to the uh, the torture torture droid room. Yeah, I'd like to give honorable mention to uh, Obi Wan scaring off the uh, the sand people in Episode Four. Oh, nice. So now I need a Daphne, and Daphne is kind of hard because I was trying to think of what is a characteristic of Daphne. Yeah, <laughs> like nothing uh, comes to mind. Nothing, nothing overly positive comes to mind. Yeah. She's just kind of there. I guess I'm. I'm also basing this on like classic Scooby Doo cartoons. I'm not very well versed with any more recent, you know. No, same here. Iter- iterations same here. of it. She's just there hanging out, not doing a whole lot. So, when I think of someone hanging out, not doing a whole lot, <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to get Rise of Skywalker Rose. <laughs> it's my Daphne. Uh, well done. 
Yeah. Daphne's really got to analyze these plans for original <laughs> work. Chris, who's your Daphne? Uh, all right. So since I went Luke for my Fred, and in this instance is where, you know, Fred sends Daphne, or I'm sorry, Fred sends Velma off with Shaggy and Scooby so he and Daphne can go search around. <laughs> I think we all know what they're getting up to. They never so, find anything, right? Yeah, it's always- exactly. And, and the camera never even follows them. <laughs> no, it, it can't. That's <laughs> not a kids show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so for that, for that uncomfortable, you know, what are those two getting up to? I'm gonna have to give it to the also the uncomfortable, <laughs> uncomfortable uh, making out in Star Wars. So I'm gonna have to give Daphne to uh, to Princess Leia to go along with my my Fred Luke. I guess you don't know everything about sisters. <laughs> and that, that gets us our classic crew but what about a scrappy do who do you like for scrappy uh <laughs> trying to keep my theme in line maybe maybe uh lumpy from the holiday special <laughs> he's he's like a he's like a mini chewbacca uh, but i don't feel like he ca- quite captures the the annoyingness of scrappy do in my mind hmm <laughs> The first person to use the phrases doesn't capture annoyingness and holiday special. In yeah, the same I mean, like Lump- Lumpy wasn't as infuriating as Scrappy Doo often is, in my opinion. So uh, here's another great Scooby Doo character, Chris. Who would you pick for the Harlem Globetrotters? <laughs> oh, man. I like they appeared in multiple Scooby Doo episodes, right? Yeah, I feel like they had like their own their own series for a while. It was just <laughs> them and the Harlem Globetrotters, or it was Scooby Doo and like Batman sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> but never Dick Dastardly. Sorry, Jason Isaacs. The first like team thing that popped into my head was the Knights of Ren, but I feel like that's doing a disservice to the Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> The Knights of Ren are the Washington Generals. (laughs) (laughs) Um, hmm. How about the cooler version of those guys, the the Snoke Guards? Oh, that's a good one. I like that. Yeah, they look like you throw in a basketball and they're doing some fun tricks. Exactly. They got the uniforms. I want to re-edit the uh, the whole fight scene with that. Oh yeah, the the, the Globetrotter music. Yeah. <laughs> I think that would be fun. Look, sir. What have we here? Look, sir. Oh, what a mess. With the blast shield down, I can't even see. Look, sir. These aren't the droids you're looking for. Let's start off this best of the sequel trilogy episode with thinking about our best spaceship battle. I think I think we did we coalesce on the same same choice here. Yes, absolutely. So there are some good runners up, right? Yeah, I mean, and surprisingly, when you when you pull back and look at it, not a lot of battles in the sequel trilogy actually happen in space. Very few. Yeah. Force Awakens. It's all sort of atmospheric fighting. Mm-hmm. You know the opening stuff in Last Jedi, and then you know all the stuff you know throughout with the uh, the chase there, and then the final battles. You know on on uh, Salt Hoth. And then, I guess the main meat of Rise of Skywalker is um, in the uh, pseudo-atmosphere. <laughs> all the uh, 
Sith Star Destroyers. We both ended up going with the, the slow motion bomber fight from The Last Jedi. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of fun. I mean, we didn't limit ourselves to, you know, strictly space combat battles. It just happened to coincide in this instance. Yeah, I think that you could make a really strong case for the Falcon escaping Jakku. Yeah, that's, that one's, I think that was my runner-up. That was a lot of fun. Took that to include like, the whole run-up, like, into the, uh, getting into the ship. The shaky takeoff, not really knowing how it works, that kind of thing. What's that, like, 24-hour race where you have to, like, run into your car? Oh, um, like a like a Le Mans-style way? Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah we're, like we're, we're rating this Le Mans where the run into the ship counts as part of the battle. Yeah. And then, like, the whole, the whole chase sequences through the Crash Star Destroyers, I mean, come on, that's that's great. That's a lot, a of, fun. lot of fun. I mean, so we've made fun of the bombers, and we'll continue to make fun of them. Mm. And I think that... To what degree you can just accept it or not makes all the difference in this. If you can get remotely to accepting it, I just think it's it's a really, really great, great space battle. Mm-hmm. I love the things they cut between in the battle. So I love cutting between Poe and Rose's sister. What is her name? Oh, uh, I, I just happened to look this up before this. It's Paige. Yeah, Paige Tico. Yeah, I love the cutting between that. And then mm-hmm. it cuts to Leia. And her little "You sunk my battleship" display yes. has all the ships <laughs> on it, and it cuts to inside the dreadnought, mm-hmm. and you have that guy kind of looking through the periscope. Yes, uh, you have Captain Kennedy who leads the dreadnought, and it's all kind of reddish tint in there. Mm. And and in the dreadnought, they always have these sort of dolly shots. The camera's like always moving in there, like kind of dollying forward. And I just think that it's a great, great, great space battle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the bomber crews are a lot of fun and just all the, you know, get some other, you know, action shots from, you know, the other fighters in there. Yeah, completely agree. I think in the way that the gunner scenes in A New Hope was trying to be like World War II movies or World War II like footage, action mm-hmm. footage, I think this was kind of doing the same sort of thing. Like the bombers are the sort of like, you know, slow moving, uh, was it a B-2? Was that the World War II bomber? I think B-2 is like the big stealth bomber. Um there's a bunch of B, <laughs> they'll have a B prefix, but like the, uh, oh, the, like the Enola Gay, like that was like a B something. <laughs> I mean, there were like, so like the B-24s and yeah, anyway, I can cut all yeah, that crap but, out. I mean, but they yeah, were like slow a, relative to other craft. Yeah, exactly. They like were kind of slow sitting ducks. Mm, yeah, they need fighter cover, you know, they're, they have like, like stationary, like gunner defenses, but yeah, they're essentially just big, slow moving targets. Mm-hmm. Like the B-29, I think, was a really big, slow one. That's it. I think that's what it is. So I love that kind of, you know, throwback to to Star Wars or sort of being inspired by the same kind of stuff. And I also think that it, along with the Death Star Trench run, are the two really emotional space battles Mm -hmm. in Star Wars. That sort of is what keeps it being this one versus, say, the one at the end of Rise of Skywalker... Maybe I just didn't connect enough with the Janna Finn stuff. You know, there's so much emotionally weighty stuff going on on Exegol that it's hard to care about the space battle there. Yeah, exactly. Whereas this, making Paige the center of the battle halfway through it is really cool. And yeah. you know that, like, you know, if it was like Poe, you're thinking, well, he's not going to die. But for this character, you know, she might. And it really endows the scene with a lot of weight. Yeah, they did a great job of, you know, 
getting you quickly invested in, you know, those bomber crews, especially as they're, you know, going down like flies, essentially. <laughs> Very slow moving flies. There weren't supposed to be two separate genetic patterns and decided to uh, splice us together. It made it as me and the fly. So that's our best space battle. What about our best space ship? So there's a lot of new ships in this series. I think that's a thing we all love about Star Wars. The, the Dreadnought, as you just mentioned. Love the Dreadnought. I love Kylo's like version of the Shuttle Tiderian. That's kind of like flat that he lands on the Force that he lands on uh, Jakku in the Force Awakens. Yep, I, I like how the wings they kind of they kind of disconnect and aren't connected to kind of like slot down like mm-hmm. the rest of the ship. I don't know, sort of like a futuristic sort of take on something we haven't seen before. Also from that scene too, kind of a I don't know, maybe a more utilitarian ship, but I think was kind of something neat to see. It was like the First Order sort of like D-Day landing craft, kind of, you know, going back to that that military theme a sec- from a second ago that all the uh, stormtroopers pull out of. So what do you end up going to gonna give your best best ship award to? Uh, for me, I, I don't know. It's I was just very taken with the the look of it. Um, I like uh, old Kylo's TIE silencer from uh, Last Jedi. It seemed like a like a pretty good, you know, natural evolution of sort of like a, you know, advanced kind of tie fighter. Like I like the, I don't know, the liberties they kind of took with making it, you know, like more sort of angular around the pod itself as opposed to more circular and playing with the the wing designs. I mean, there's been enough stuff, you know, and secondary material to, I mean, honestly, really make like trying to design like a freshish looking tie like very hard. But I think they they pulled that off. I like how it's real short. It's real low to the ground. It kind of makes me think again of like a performance, you know, the kind of car that you can't drive over a speed bump. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. You can't land that thing in in anything but the the lowest clearance uh, shuttle bay on Snoke's ship. Right. That one's fun. I went with something that really stuck out to me in early shots of The Force Awakens. Again, just that movie, I think one of the cool things, kind of like Kylo Ren's ship, is all the subtle tweaks on stuff, like the subtle tweaks on the Stormtrooper armor. And I really like those kind of white wall TIE fighters they have. I just want to make sure, like like the inverted colors one, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those were, those were really striking. The ion engine part, the little side panels of the TIE fighter are white. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like someone, someone just, like had selected the TIE fighter and went invert colors on it a little bit. It's two players in a fighting game, both picked TIE fighter. And so the second one got the inverted color one. And it's, it's so, I mean, it's so weird. Like it's, it's not a, it's a bit of a drastic change, but they didn't change that much, but it looks so, so new and different and interesting. Yeah. I just thought it was very like kind of eye popping and, and fit in with what that movie was doing aesthetically. I just thought it was really mm. cool. The white wall TIE fighter. Where are you taking this? Ultimate power in the universe. Where are you taking this? Sad devotion to that ancient religion. Where are you taking this thing? Chris, this was kind of a fun idea you came up with. This is a line that appears famously in, in all the Star Wars movies, depending on how you count, how, how you score it. Uh, best occurrence of the line, I've got a bad feeling about this. 
Yeah, it's just, I don't know, something I subconsciously listen for. Like, that, it along with, like, a Wilhelm scream. Just something I kind of associate with Star Wars. It's like the, where is Alfred Hitchcock going to pop up in his movies <laughs> yes. for Star Wars? But, uh, yeah, this one maybe, there's only, what, I mean, three movies, three occurrences. Kind of, maybe two, technically. <laughs> yeah, so, in, in researching this one, so Hans says it right around the time they fight the that those weird monsters in that gang in the force awakens i got a bad feeling about this and then lando says it on the party planet of pasana i think i got a bad feeling about this and then apparently ryan johnson has said that that's what bb8 says to poe in one of the super early shots of last jedi happy beach here buddy come on so I don't, I, just, I don't know if that counts as a retcon or a, I'm willing to, to count it as canonical. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm yeah, I, I count it. I mean, why not? You can't ruin the. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that was a conscious decision or not, but yeah, it's fun. So which one do you, did, were you most excited to see? I know it was a lot of fan service, but I, I mean, the, it fit the situation, and I thought it was a fun delivery. I liked the uh, the Han with the. Uh, you know, in between the two gangs and, you know, as he hears the monsters escaping on the ship there. I'm going to pick the best I've got a bad feeling about this was said by me when Palpatine said of Rey, <laughs> beware she is not who you think she is. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's probably the best pick. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was when I had a bad feeling about what was going to, ha- what was going to happen in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, unfortunately you weren't able to escape that that wild monster that was running around none of us were all right let's take a little break from this chris and i've all got right. some other questions for you about about the sequel trilogy okay so i did not warn you about this no i am i'm i am more unprepared <laughs> than usual chris if there's one thing we all know about we serve droids it's our love of the Gorax in the Ewok movies. <laughs> if there's a second thing we all know about We Serve Droids, it's that we firmly believe that Luke Skywalker's addicted to death sticks. Yes. And if there's a third thing we all know about We Serve Droids, it's that we have discovered the Java's Palace is, in fact, a kinky sex dungeon. I'm curious, what character from the sequel trilogy, either, you know, main character, minor character, doesn't matter do you think would fit in and like who belongs in Jabba's palace? Oh, for, off, off the cuff. I'm going to say Bobby Frick. I feel like that guy, <laughs> that guy is, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's like a platinum pass holder at Jabba's palace or something like that. He's there a lot. <laughs> That's right. He can like, you know, get deep in the torture droids, mm-hmm. um, like memory banks to remove all the safe words to make yes. like that's the only way Babu can actually like, <laughs> get excited anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Is knowing, that, knowing that there's no way to turn the torture droid off. Yeah, it's it's, it's like turning off the safety protocols in the holodeck, that kind of deal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you need me, I'll be in holodeck four. Oh, that is great. What about Cloud City? Anyone you think would fit in on Cloud City? Uh, hmm. I mean, I feel like you could take anyone from Monte Calderon just about and, and put them there. What about a place that we know ought to serve droids? What about the Mos Eisley Cantina? I could see, uh, oh, 
uh, what's his name? Uh, Benicio del Toro's character. Uh, oh from, yeah, uh, DJ or yeah, CJ D- or yeah, yeah, that's it. BJ, <laughs> <laughs> Some, something J. <Jay. laughs> you have to ask, big man. You can't afford it. Yeah, that's right. He's totally hanging out at the cantina. Speaking of the cantina, Chris, could you tell us what you're drinking tonight? A medium dry martini, lemon peel, shaken, not stirred. 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 Three measures of Gordon's, one of vodka, half a measure of Kina Lily. Shake it over rice and then add a thin slice of lemon peel. Yes. Well, Scott, I am drinking a... uh... I guess you'd call it um, an infused gin and tonic. So I've been playing around with infusing gin lately, which essentially just means putting a bunch of stuff in gin and letting it sit for a little while. We're all on on lockdown. This is what we've come to. Yeah, you've got to just kind of scrape together whatever you've got at the back of the bar and (laughs) mix it up and see what happens. Tonight's Chris's prison hooch is... (laughs) Essentially, for that extra authentic taste, like make it in the back of the uh, the toilet tank. (laughs) But yeah, uh, so this one, you know, it's kind of, the weather's getting a little bit warmer. Um, this is kind of, um, I don't know, gin drinks I'd particularly find refreshing, especially, you know, with ice and some kind of carbonated addition to it. For this, you're going to want to get about two cups of gin. These are just the ratios I've, I've done for infusing it. It'll make a bit, so you'll have plenty of uh, cocktails left over. Don't don't fret, this isn't going to be like a, a single drink <laughs> with two cups of gin. Two, you have yeah. to drink two cups. I mean, it's quarantine. You don't really have anywhere to be. Let's be honest. We haven't drank that much since that second A New Hope episode. For yeah. <laughs> this is going to be a, a, a quick jump into hyperspace. That's for sure. <laughs> but uh, so you'll, you want to first get, I guess, let me just back up, get some sort of sealable container. You wouldn't mind like gin being in for a little while. Like a mason jar works great. To that, add about two cups of gin. You want to add about a uh, half a cucumber, just kind of roughly chopped up into that. Uh, a quarter cup of sugar. You want to take and get uh, like a three, like essentially lengthwise peels of lemon with the white pithing removed. Otherwise, it'll make it pretty bitter. If you have like a microplaner or something that you're, you know, could take enough like skin off the lemon without you having to worry about it getting through whatever your filtering apparatus will be. That's probably worth just trying to get like an equal surface area of that into there. And finally, some uh, some cardamom seeds. Now, I can only find pods, but if you if you can find, only find pods, just crack them open. The seeds are inside. At about, I think, a quarter teaspoon of those um, to your container. You'll want to shake that up to dissolve the sugar. Um, I would say leave it for no more than 24 hours. Otherwise, the cucumber gets kind of gross and the the gin starts to taste watered down. But shake it up, you know, just leave it, shake it up occasionally throughout the day to get the sugar dissolved. Just strain that through just some kind of uh, filter or, you know, fine, fine paper strainer just into another container you can store it in. And you, what you'll have is a uh, sort of green tinted liquid or gin that's infused with... Uh, cucumber, lemon, and cardamom. So I know we've joked about what the uh, what the Moss Eisley, you know, bartender does to his uh, the corpses of his deceased patrons. Yeah, I think we especially talk about this in one in the uh, Mandalorian episode 
uh, where they go to to Moss Eisley. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess after seeing the greenish tint and with that thought in mind, I'm calling this drink the uh, the Soylent Greedo. So <laughs> just so just with your gin, you know, essentially just use that gin to make your standard, you know, gin drink that you like. I made like a gin and tonic. You can put a couple of slices of uh, cucumber and lemon in it or lemon peel in it. If you're feeling frisky, uh, Scott, I know you said you made used it to make a, a pretty good gin rookie. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a big fan of this, of this, uh, this concoction. Um, it, it tasted a, so cardamom was not a flavor that I was very familiar with. Uh, I would say it has the kind of, the kind of spiciness of like a ginger. Yeah. It's, it's, but it's something not I've... the flavor of ginger. It's, it's that kind of spicy, but a more almost like, um, um, there's another kind of like Indian spice that I can't, I can't get the name of in my head right now. Yeah. It's, it's probably something you've experienced or smelt or, you know, before, but just haven't maybe not have a proper name for it. But yeah. So I, when I just tasted the, it straight after doing it, it, I felt like it was a little too much on the cardamom side, but once you mix in, it's just great for mixing. I, I'm a big fan of this. Um, yeah, I've done it. I've tried it in a gin Ricky, which was great. I also just on a whim, like spiked, like iced tea with it. That was very mm. good. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. It's, that's another good point. I will say this. It's probably is not, not best for straight up consumption after infusing here. It's, it is a little, uh, a little overpowering. And I have definitely enjoyed mine. So I'm, I don't love quinine in club soda. Mm-hmm. And so, understandable. Uh, my sort of personal hack is basically any cocktail you make with club soda. I just use just carbonated water instead. Mm-hmm. So I've just been drinking mine tonight, just with some carbonated water and a and a cucumber slice. And it's really really good. Yeah, I'm 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 very very pleased with how this how this turned out. And it's a bit of a pain, you know, just to, you have to you know make it you know some hours in advance. But I mean, you could just make enough of it and just kind of keep it on hand. I haven't experimented with how long it'll keep, but. I imagine I would it'll assume be, be okay. You keep it in a cabinet and it would last years if you mm-hmm. as long as you do a good enough job filtering the cucumber out, I don't think yeah. that that you have any kind of issue. I can personally attest it being, you know, fine for at least uh at least three to four days. Any much longer than that, and hey, you're you're uh <laughs> you're pioneering here. <laughs> so uh that's what my empty glass with a cucumber slice says anyway. Mm, same here. You wanna pause for a refill? I feel like it's the way we serve Droid's way. You better have those units from the South Lanes repaired by midday or they'll be held at night. We'll see you in hell. See you in hell. See you in hell. See you in hell. Here's maybe kind of an obvious one about best new character. Who do you like for best new character? Yeah, I mean, no no shortage here. Poe, Finn, BB-8 if you're Droid inclined. Kylo Ren, Rey. I mean... I think we got some some you know some pretty good new characters out of this new new trilogy. Definitely. I mean, if I have to pick one, it's it's got to be Kylo Ren. Yeah, for me, I mean, this is kind of cop out. I kind of like Ray and Ren as a tie. I mean, it's it's like the uh, the celebrity you know couple name. Yeah. The the, the Ray the Ray Ren. <laughs> Renlo. Yeah, Ridlow. Wait, that doesn't work. That's Kylo and Rid. <laughs> I'm an idiot. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm good. That's that works for me. What about if we, if we say no? Like they're the obvious choices. What if yeah. you, you rule them out? Who do you pick? 
Ugh. I'm going to cheat again and just say Finpo. I like Finn and I like Poe. That's honestly who I was having the toss up between. Uh, yeah, Finpo. What about worst new character? <laughs> well, there's a lot to hate here. <laughs> uh, I mean, some some it's you know, I mean, just bad character. Some it's maybe lack of execution. Yeah, so for lack of execution, I remember you were mentioning maybe like Captain Phasma. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a, felt a bit of a waste there in both, you know, of actor talent and, you know, cool character premise. Yeah, like a early boss in a video game. Yeah, exactly. Rose, Rose too, to an extent for lack of execution. I like Rose, but famously I know that you don't. I just, I don't know, the... I feel the character could have been done better. Dom Hick Monahan's character or whatever in, in the Rise of Skywalker, yeah, Rise of Skywalker. Just, be, just being a, being a distraction. Yeah, he's yeah. Why is he there? But for if if this counts as a new character for me, I'm gonna have to give it to uh to Mecha Palpatine. <laughs> I think it counts. I think Mecha Palpatine's on the table. Yeah, I mean that's it's a it's a new char- new take on that character for sure. Yeah, I'm gonna have to say Union Busting Maz Kanata. For yeah. mostly political reasons, <laughs> I I like I thought her character was pretty cool in in the Force Awakens, but then that whole tease with the lightsaber thing, like yeah. I'm not gonna tell you how I got this thing that's impossible to get, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then to come to find out in Last Jedi that she's you know like. <laughs> pushing right to work laws on some yeah. planet but like the Pinkerton <laughs> army made me not too happy uh, yeah just uh oof yeah and she had no business being in right I mean this is my opinion not to poop all over Rise of Skywalker again but I just don't like I don't know why she was there I mean it's it's, it's fan service to a fairly new character <laughs> so. yeah right right I mean she took away a lot of good lines that could have been Dominic Monaghan's <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's. I think those are both good winners of this category because they are both characters that like are fun to make fun of, and I think that's just a deep part of of the Star Wars DNA. Like we love to make fun of like you know Uncle Owen in A New Hope, or any of like the the the, the bad acted bit characters that is fun fun to make fun of. Yeah, it's where we get our. It's where we get our content. Right, right. Hey, what are you trying to push on us? What about the best chase scene? All right, this is an action movie staple. Mm-hmm. So we've got... Was there really... Um, I mean, the Falcon on Jakku, that was a probably... I'm trying to struggling to think of another good chase scene from... from uh, Force Awakens? Yeah, from Force Awakens there. I'd say that one was bad, but... Yeah, I mean that's that's a great scene, but that's the only one that comes to my mind. Everything else is pretty one-sided there. Um you have essentially all of the, all of the last or most of the last Jedi is this one one big chase scene in movie form. <laughs> that was going to be my pick was the sort of meta pick and just say it was the plot of the last Jedi. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I mean, you're not wrong. I think you'd, you had written down, like, Raid chasing Luke around on New Dagobah. That's fun. <laughs> our favorite our favorite uh, montage. And then we've got, I guess, probably the, maybe the most, I don't know, traditional chase scene in the, the Sandmobiles on, on, mm-hmm. on 
Pasana. Mm-hmm, the party planet of Pasana. Yes, I'm sorry. The the party planet of Pasana. You say the whole thing. It's it's like it's like a tribe a tribe called Quest. You say the whole thing. <laughs> I was gonna say the same thing. <laughs> we both watched that episode of um the Boondocks. Oh, was it the Boondocks? A pimp named Slickback says that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I forgot about Slickback. Or a pimp, a Slickback. pimp named Slickback. I'm sorry, a pimp named Slickback. <laughs> but uh, I guess my pick, if I had to pick one, it just, I mean, I know it's got, you know, a lot of, um, oh, hold maneuver, maybe issues with it in terms of its... Uh, world-breaking. Yeah, world-breaking stuff. But I don't know, for sure fun. I'm gonna give it to light speed skipping in a in a Rise of Skywalker. I love how you get some fun, quick looks at different planets in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Kind of like almost like the Order sixty six scene in Revenge of the Sith, where you get a lot. I mean, there it's kind of sad, but you get all those like quick shots of cool planets. Yeah, I mean that's 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 the bulk of it, and then you have the you know the insinuation. I think you get like during the chase that you know. Ray doesn't approve of this, so it's like a, you know, kids don't tell your mother kind of thing, mm, which, of course, yeah. they then they then narc on him immediately. <laughs> is the implication in that scene that now hyperspace tracking has now become, you know, like cell phone sized? I, I'd have to say so, since, I mean, you get like three TIE fighters. Yeah, just just like he's not he's not plotting courses or anything like it's. It's essentially just random, so I mean, they'd have to be able to track him. Yeah, maybe they found some New Republic police state tech there digging through, <laughs> and it's you know, it's it's now in Tie Fighter, uh, Tie Fighter Sith Holocron, whatever, plug into the hyperspeed higher hyperdrive computer size. So yeah, I was gonna pick the plot of Last Jedi, but I do love the Falcon leaving Jakku. Yeah, that's that's great. That was my second pick. I rewatched the whole sequel trilogy for this. I just forgot the the first forty minutes of the Force Awakens is really good. It is. I, I've either lost appreciation or never really truly appreciated it. If if my meta pick doesn't count, then I'll take the the <laughs> Falcon getting chased by the Tie Fighters on Jakku. I mean, the, the meta picks one because it's a chase is usually sort of a fast, sort of action packed thing, and it's. Mm-hmm. It's rare that a chase becomes like this, you know, the slow sort of, you know, lumbering, ominous sort of presence that you get in, in Rise of, I'm sorry, in Last Jedi. Only Imperial Stormtroopers. Let me see your identification. Only Imperial Stormtroopers. TK-421, why aren't you at your post? Only Imperial Stormtroopers. Ah! Only Imperial Stormtroopers are so precise. What about just action scene in general, right? So I guess I'm thinking mostly of kind of kind of fight scenes, but I don't mean it to be. I don't mean to say it has to be a fight scene. There's a lot of good. I think runners up for. Our, I think we had a shared pick on this one as well. Yeah, I mean it's it's hard to beat our shared pick in my opinion, but I mean there's some good like you know lightsaber combat that we get. Yeah, that's Rise of Skywalker is very lightsaber heavy. Um, I love that lightsaber fight on Kajimi. Uh, it's a half on Kajimi, half on the, uh, the Star ship. Yeah. yeah, that's really cool. And the lightsaber fight on the ocean moon of Endor <laughs> is really cool. 
Yeah, Kajimi definitely wins the lightsaber fight innovation award or something like that. Yeah, that's the like the 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 Academy Awards that are off camera ones. Yeah, the, the technical awards. <laughs> right, we know all the nerds on the stage awards. <laughs> yeah, indoor is a lot of fun. Um, just you know, I mean, so, I mean, lightsaber fight on like the wreckage of a Death Star. What's not to like? Mm-hmm. And you had brought up, uh, of course, the the Kylo versus Luke fight is yeah, cool. It's, it's it's again, yeah, it's bringing the broader sense of an action sequence but yeah it's uh i mean just that whole sequence is is pretty great and that one feels like something that would have been in like a kung fu movie exactly where, like the the guy who just keeps dodging the sword instead of fighting back mm-hmm. that's exactly. a lot of fun and i like the idea you see luke kind of look at kylo ren's weight shift and he's sort of doing the the calculus on you know that means he'll he'll come at me this way so i can dodge it Mm-hmm. And I think the camera kind of tells that that side of the story in a fun kind of way. It, it could have been in almost like, did you ever watch that movie? I know it was like at the time it was the most expensive Chinese movie ever made, Hero, with I think it had Jet Li in it. Yes, I, I've seen that. It felt like it could have been in, in Hero. Yeah, definitely. I know you'd also mentioned Kylo and the Knights of Ren, which is pretty fun. Yeah, I mean, just kind of the for the uh, back to the Kajimi, you know, lightsaber innovation moment (laughs) (laughs) kids choice awards uh knights of ren get slimed (laughs) yes the award for best shrug goes to (laughs) but what's what's our what's our co-pick here i mean we're we're spoiled for it in in last jedi but man this kylo ray v uh versus snow guards i mean action sequence too i didn't i'd include the uh the whole snoke uh bisection there as well mm-hmm. i mean just just from from there to finish man peak uh peak action sequence for star wars it's very uh crazy 88 kill bill stuff going on it's a lot of fun just these guys have these really random you know the kind of weapons that mobile suit gundams would carry <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one guy's got a scythe one guy's got a <laughs> like some some nunchucks or something I don't know if you've ever seen this. If people sometimes, I mean, you know, people on the internet are the worst. <laughs> look, look at us. <laughs> or proof of concept of that statement. Yeah. But people have like kind of complained about that scene. Like, oh, look at this guy standing around. Those people can go straight to hell because that scene is just so much fun. If, if you want realism, why are you watching Star Wars? <laughs> that kind of that kind of yeah, like question. Absolutely. Any real sword fight would be over in about five seconds. Like, <laughs> yeah. like it would not be very much fun to watch. Yeah, just the the guy who who hits first is is, is right. the, usually the winner. <laughs> right. And now that our Harlem Globetrotters edit will soon exist, it's it's only getting better. <laughs> so right, I mean, one of the fun things about Star Wars is quoting the lines. This is a harder award, I thought, to come up with, just yeah. because the movies haven't like been simmering in my mind for decades yeah I, I had the thought you know do you think maybe the sequel trilogy is maybe less quotable at, at its core or do you think it's i think it's more of just a time issue i don't know i think it might be less quotable but it's it's so hard to say i don't know i mean i guess the the safe bet is it's a time issue yeah i can't decide i mean this was my first you know, real rewatch of all three. So it's, you know, it's hard to tell on, you know, number two, what it's going to be like. 
for a line to be quotable, it's got to be on one end of the bell curve. Mm -hmm. So it's got to be like, I was going to Tashi Station to pick up power converters, or it's got to be, you know, do or do not, there is no try. Yeah, just that there's no room, there's no place for, you know, average or forgettable here. Yeah, like you don't want to just quote some fair to Midland line. And I think that the dialogue in the sequel trilogy, that bell curve is a lot wider. Like, there's not many just, there's not many, like, painstaking lines. I don't mean to say they're painstaking, but, you know, I mean, there's so much fun stuff to quote from the prequels. Like, <laughs> it's a real yeah. treasure trove of, like, memes. Yes. You want to buy some? Try to tackle the Wookiees. I don't like. Try to tackle the Wookiees. It's over, Anakin! I have to try to tackle the Wookiees. And I think that's the thing. Like, for it to be the best line, it's got to be, like, memeable. That's true. Um, and I think that this one, it doesn't have maybe as much, like, fun bad stuff, but also maybe not as much, like, really great stuff either. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning that direction. I'm just, man, I don't know, maybe it'll change, you know, as these, as these age more and the, the memes become stronger. Who knows? Maybe they'll age like a fine death stick. Yes. <laughs> more on that later. We have a best line and a worst line. So for best line, uh, when I was rewatching The Force Awakens, I really loved Han saying uh, when they capture uh, Captain Phasma, is there a mm. garbage chute somewhere, a trash compactor? <laughs> yeah. It's not exactly <laughs> quotable, but it, it makes me like laugh out loud. Yeah, I mean, I, I when 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 that one when you I saw that one in the list, I I knew where it was from. So it's, yeah, I'd say it passes the the sniff test there. Back to you know Harrison Ford and uh, Force Awakens. Uh, just that's not how the Force works. <laughs> that was pretty fun, and I think I think that one actually is kind of memeable. I've I've never personally done it, but I can imagine a lot of scenarios where that would be a fun thing to say. Yeah, that one. That's a. It's a personal favorite from that movie. I like that a lot because what does Finn say? Like, we'll use the force. Like, how are we going to break in? We'll use the force <laughs> we'll or use something. The force. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of fun. Uh, from Last Jedi, I liked Princess Leia saying, "Get your head out of your cockpit." Yeah, to uh, to Poe. Yeah, yeah. That's that's great. You don't get a lot of intentional double entendres in Star Wars. Mostly, you just get the ones that we've read things into. Coming from Carrie Fisher, just great delivery. But uh, yeah, I think we had a double pick here as well. Actually, no, I'm gonna. I'm. I've oh, got something else. So you go with what you have. It's less of a fun line, but it's you know, does you know multiple meanings. But uh, you know, Kylo Ren saying, "I know what I have to do, but I don't know if I have the strength to do it." I think I mentioned before, but I I thought that I did not like that moment in The Force Awakens, but it's such a great payoff in, in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, exactly. It's it it kind of you know, came full circle in its own little, little way there. Yeah. I mean, truly a really great moment. I think a really great mo moment in that movie. So um, I don't know if it counts being able to count it both times and, you know, and for the, uh, I don't know, both, both instances of the line, if that's cheating or not, but Hey, I'm, I'm calling it. You can incorporate the line in some ironic ways. That's a lot of fun in your real life. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, a lot of, I'm seeing like some like trivial household, household tasks or something memes and just putting, putting like the Kylo, the Kylo with the sub quote down there or something like that. 
I mean, not to get overly political, but, you know, when you're in sort of uh, a vote for the lesser of two evils kind of situation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> situation in democracy. <laughs> I love democracy. <laughs> for democracy. Um, but I think that's that's a fun uh, that's a fun time to think of that line. I love another Kylo Ren quote, which is "Let the past die, kill it if you have to." That's a good one. It's weird to pick it as my favorite line because it's it's the anti- it's the antithesis 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 of the movie, mm-hmm. right? It's not the moral of the movie, and I don't mean to say that I connect with it and that I think it should be. But I just thought it was, like, delivered in a compelling way. It's kind of poetic, and it's kind of a fun line to think of. And I don't know, I just, I just liked it a lot. Yeah, it really sums up Kylo's intentions. Mm-hmm. And I thought in a way that maybe sold the allure of the dark side. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially to Rey, you know, like her sort of looking for some sense of belonging, but, but maybe not having it, uh, and trying to forge a new path. I just thought that it was... It was a good way of thinking about the allure of the dark side of the force that that we honestly just had not gotten. You know, yeah. previously we'd gotten unlimited power. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> so uh, yeah, from from best line, we move on to the uh, the other end of the spectrum. Powerful light, powerful darkness. That's right. Uh, also, something you want to be memeable on my list of of runners up, I had. The Chewy were home line from yeah. Han Solo in The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Partly because I think it's super cheesy and fan y Yeah. And yeah. I had mentioned how much I love the first 40 minutes of that movie. <laughs> that's that's, that's at the 41 minute mark. Yeah, it really is. It's exactly, <laughs> yeah, it, it is. Uh, and it's like, it's, it's exactly at that point where I feel like the, the movie kind of, it goes like, because you have that whole pointless rival gang monster fight. Mm-hmm. It's the bigger fish. There's always a bigger fish scene of The Force Awakens. <laughs> yeah. I fast forward past it on this rewatch. I'd honestly, I'd kind of forgotten about it. Yeah, it's the most forgettable thing in the whole sequel trilogy. Um, and then you get down to, to the Maz, uh, the Maz Isley Cantina, and you're thinking, ah, oh, this is awesome. We're, we're back to good again. And then you get the whole revelation that it's it's another Death Star. The 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 Death Star. We call it the Death Star. You know, I, that that was a big downer for me. But but anyway, uh, so for being a cheesy line and being the the point that kind of broke the spell. I mean, it was really the 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 carriage turned back into a pumpkin at, at that line. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of bad times at Maz's, uh, I had one of mine I had down was a, a good question for another time. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like when you're writing like an essay for a college class and you put in like a placeholder, like, you know, like, like <laughs> make point here and you, then you, you turn in the essay with like, you know, fine citation for this point still like written in the paper. Yeah. <laughs> insert gratifying or compelling backstory here (laughs) it just it it felt it feels insulting in a lot of ways it truly is it truly is i think that you're not allowed to put the lightsaber in the movie if you don't have an answer to that question you 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 can't create like 
expediency, like for for that sake, like in the movie, without it just feeling cheap. I don't know, a slap in the face, really. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Speaking of slaps in the face, slap in the face. I'm also gonna say uh, from Rise of Skywalker, a Jedi's weapon deserves more respect. Uh, an, an actual slap in the face to, yeah. to Ryan Johnson. There's some other things in Rise of Skywalker. Uh, I guess I'm gonna say another pretty soon, but yeah. that one, that one. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, if 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 they were going for sarcastic, uh, it did not land for me at all. No. How can it get worse from here, Chris? <laughs> Well, for, for for my for my worst line to hit correctly, it'd have to take into account the the scene that it takes place in. So this is after I think uh, Rose is rammed into Finn, preventing him from stopping the uh, pseudo Death Star laser from firing into a uh, uh, Salt Hoth base there, and you get the quote: "That's how we're going to win this. Not fighting what we hate." saving what we love and like immediately as as the the force kiss happens the thing fires off <laughs> and you you have the impression initially <laughs> that everyone is now dead <laughs> <laughs> and oh uh, just i just I, I it's it's gotten just humorous at this point <laughs> it's, it's so it's so ridiculous and oh. just i can't imagine who thought this was this was a good idea. I, sort of, it, it, it really, like, genuinely, I thought, oh, everyone just died <laughs> the first time I saw it. So I, like, I am cheesy enough to unironically like that line, but I get, I totally get what you're saying. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to argue for it. The, the line in and of itself isn't that bad. Just the, the context, the context just throws it, you know, into the, what were you thinking, realm? I mean, the the reasonable expectation I had before, just as it was, this was touted as like Death Star tech or whatever, was that as soon as this thing fires off, that's it, like game over, guys. This isn't just to open up the door here. This is to you know put a uh, you know Death Star beam shaped <laughs> you know hole through everything, everything from that door and and you know several thousand feet beyond that. Kind yeah, of well, it's like. Those like super thick Dragon Ball Z power beams, you know? <laughs> exactly. Like you just like it just cuts to like a wide shot of the planet, and you just see like this like like streak of light just shooting out from from it. That would be a fun um, cut. Is to go from it shooting to the scene uh, earlier in the movie where the the ship cuts through the through all the star destroyers. <laughs> Someone has to make that edit, surely. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> my pick for worst line mm. is, I was like torn between two things. I, I almost went with, <laughs> it's Kylo Ren talking to Rey on Rise of Skywalker. And I almost went with, you don't just have power, you have his power. <laughs> <laughs> Two, I just ended up going with you are a Palpatine because yeah. Palpatine is already like a silly sounding kind of, you know, it's it's a it's a name that started off in like the expanded universe and then and then found its way into the prequels from that. It just sounds silly and it's a dumb plot move and I, just, I don't know. It <laughs> you, just doesn't work. You think <laughs> his last me, name is silly? <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you're saying you are palpating. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, they wanna wonga. They wanna wonga. They wanna wanna wonga. They wanna let go. I threw out, you know, the the topic of this episode to our Facebook group to solicit some suggestions. Mm-hmm. And I thought one really fun idea was someone had sort of best, he called it like sort of best sequel idea that wasn't brought to a satisfying completion. I'm going to call this like the, the dangling thread award. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a good idea. So things like, you know, some contenders might be like, the you know, who are the Knights of Ren? They got kind of built up to kind of be... Eh. You know, like, what's up with Luke's clues, like, the clues he left to New Dagobah <laughs> that that guy had at the beginning of Force Awakens? That that still doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, we never really found out, I mean, definitively who that guy was, did we? Like, in, in the movies, anyway. In the movie, no. Or, like, why he would have a puzzle piece that fits into R2-D2's projection. I think it was uh, DeVord mentioned on the, the group, why wasn't Snoke 50 feet tall? <laughs> That's that's the biggest disappointment in my opinion. <laughs> the most disappointing thing in the sequel trilogy uh, was to lead me to believe for for one and a quarter movies that Snoke was going to be giant sized. Mm-hmm. You had mentioned the the force sensitive kid from from the end of Last Jedi. Yeah, just back to his slave life. <laughs> apparently, <laughs> sorry, kid. The- his uh, Rose Tico ring spells out drink your Ovaltine and he's got to live a life of disappointment. Mm-hmm. I, I jokingly put down just Rise of Skywalker in general. <laughs> yeah, if you call it satisfying, wasn't brought to satisfying completion. Yeah, that that's fit the <laughs> that fit the criteria. So, what are you ultimately giving giving your award, your dangling thread award to? I mean, we've brought it up a couple times already, and I think that just solidifies it in my mind. Just what was Maz doing with Luke's lightsaber? Just what? It's, you put it off like in the first movie, fine, but you never, you never address it. Someone's about to get uh, bingo on their We Serve Droids bingo card. Do you remember the Deep Space Nine episode <laughs> where they go and find the Sword of Kalos? Uh, yes, I do. And the episode ends with them beaming the Sword of Kalos into space. <laughs> and they're like, it'll be found again in the future. And I'm thinking, no, it won't. <laughs> it's just floating it's, in space. Yeah, it's going to drift into a, a, a star <laughs> and just right. be gone. That's Luke's lightsaber. There's no way this thing is findable. I went with uh, a personal, a very deep to my heart personal slight and that was the Porg that had stowed away aboard the Falcon on, on Last Jedi. And <laughs> we all know deep down what happened to that Porg. Feed him to the beast. The beast? Wait, there's a beast? Hold on. Move it. Would not be a Star Wars movie without fun minor characters. Yes. We love minor characters so much, we split this in two. We have minor villains and regular minor characters. What do you have for minor villain? Uh, I mean, all the great little minor first order guys. Um, I mean, I, I kind of conclude Hux in there as well, since he's not, you know, not, not really a main character. Yet General Pride, you know, from the the most recent movie, uh, Rise of Skywalker. Phasma probably fits fits in that bill. Uh, it's, I mean, just, I mean, just kind of fun, but you know, would have loved to see more of, you know, short and sweet minor villains. Uh, I, I jokingly put down a in the villain category Vice Admiral Holdo. 
<laughs> she did serve as the the foil for a large part of the movie there, so yeah. I'm counting it. Uh, let's see. Who did you have down? I think you had... I had that guy who trades Capri Suns for junk on The Force Awakens. The por- the portion man. Yes, one half portion. <laughs> did, was that the guy that Simon Pegg voiced? Is that right? Yes. <laughs> who raised parents leave her with. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they're, they're Palpatines. That makes sense now. I could, see, I could see a Palpatine leaving their child with that guy. But we both went, of course, with the captain of the Dreadnought, Captain Kennedy. Yeah, I think we extolled his virtues in our uh, Last Jedi uh, review, but man, such a such a fun character. He really is. My only thing I don't like about it is why the heck is he only a captain? He should be Admiral Kennedy. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's maybe it's like a like a Captain Picard position. It's like a coveted captain slot, you know, uh, like, you get, like the flagship. Yeah, you get to be get to be the dreadnought captain. I thought it was kind of like it seems like if you command like an aircraft carrier, you're like an admiral or something. I don't know. Oh yeah, you're, you're he's he's probably like a like a higher rank, but he's just Captain Kennedy. Oh, you, like a sign you, of yeah, I like that. Like I like make, that. He, he makes everyone call him Captain Kennedy. Yeah, he doesn't want to look like he's. Not one of the, you know, boots on the ground. He doesn't want to be the generals back home. He's captain to his men. What about minor non-villains? I think we mentioned Zori Bliss already, but just a, you know, a fun little character addition from, uh, I swear I haven't had more, than, Skywalker. Two, more than two of these, more than two of these <laughs> drinks so far. It's, it's fun when you try and put, um, Carrot Russell into a character and then not show her face and still make the character kind of interesting. Yeah, well, they do show her eyes, and she does have remarkably striking eyes. I mean, I can see why you'd cast her anyway, but if you just got to get someone's eyes on screen, you could do a whole lot worse and not a lot better than Carrie Russell. Uh, I think we've both extolled our, our mutual love of the fish nuns on <laughs> uh, on New Dagobah. Love those fish nuns. DJ, uh, I'm sorry, R- real name Benicio Del Toro. That's his actual name, their character's name. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he could have been maybe minor villain as well. Yeah, he's not really. He's more of a you know turns the whole I don't know good and evil thing on its head for his little little bit of uh. That's I really like there. this character. I, I he is really one of my favorite characters in the sequel trilogy because I think in some ways he has one of the two or three main thing. He has one of the top sort of themes of the Last Jedi. But he's like the cynical voice of it. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's very interesting. Like, nothing that he says is wrong. No, I mean, he's he's got a very realistic appraisal of the situation, maybe. Or a very pragmatic appraisal of it. These rich people that you're saying that you hate, you know, you're, you're also paying these people. Yeah, no, no one's hands are clean in this situation. And then uh, the last person I had down, I think we mentioned as well earlier, just uh, sort of maybe the bomber crews in general, but uh, but Paige Tico from uh, the bombing run of uh, of Last Jedi. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I I think Paige is the right Paige is the right choice. Again, almost could have been like a short movie on its own. Mm-hmm. Her kind of stuff there. Yeah, just a very memorable minor character. What about best planet? This is another one where I feel like the sequel trilogy doesn't ring as as true to me as the original trilogy and the prequels. 
maybe maybe you're different on this. That like I like the planets, but I don't have a special fondness for many of them the way I do for the other trilogies. Yeah, we got no shortage of choices here, but yeah, it's like what am I gonna like like really compare to you know Hoth or or Tatooine or Endor? I mean, we've got New Dagobah, right? Who's ecosystem is entirely jedi temple islands <laughs> uh monte calderon whose ecosystem is entirely casinos <laughs> casinos and slave children and weird uh weird horse uh weird, weird horse things that have more agency than slave children <laughs> the iceberg planet in rise of skywalker i like that thing a lot yeah the, the pre-hyperspace skipping yeah. yeah it's very mm. fortress of solitude i like it has that guy Oh, <laughs> the guy <laughs> win the war. <laughs> so, someone, someone else who maybe maybe worse death. <laughs> I think his, his his head ends up on the uh, on the uh, first order conference table later in the movie. Is that the here's guy you're a, talking about? Here's an edit I would like to see. Is like, he gives them the like uh, like they download like the information from him. And Poe says, or someone of them says, like, how do we thank you? And he says, win the war. I'd like to, to cut to them going, how do we thank you? And he goes, take me with you. <laughs> or don't leave please. me behind. <laughs> please, there's, there's plenty of room on, on that freighter. How can we thank you? Don't leave me behind. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we will. <laughs> <They Yeah>. sleep. <laughs> That would be fun. It needs to have that and then just cut to his head going. Um, that's fun. The ocean moon of Endor is fun. I'd have liked there to have been some kind of like, uh, it looks like there's been sort of like climate change as a result of the Death Star crash. Yeah, exactly. Like some, like just some arid or just some deserts with like, you know, uh, like petrified trees with like Ewok huts in them or something like that. Yes, yes, this is uh, end of the Cretaceous period level asteroid hit. I don't, I don't buy this thing just floating on the top of the ocean. So, something I'd probably maybe forgotten to mention. We could maybe throw a Star Killer base in here. Yeah, for, for grins. Just yeah, I think we mentioned that on our best planets mm. episode. Yeah, I went with Kajimi, mm. Solid the pick. Himalayan planet. Yeah, scene of the. The best technical award for lightsaber fighting. Uh, Kajimi, I was thinking about Kajimi a, a few months ago, and it sort of also, like, kind of turned a key that unlocked a lot of Rise of Skywalker for me. Mm. So it fits in this theory that I have about Rise of Skywalker, which is that the whole plot, too much of the plot, is trying to be Raiders of the Lost, trying to be an homage to Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> yeah. That's a good so point. Kajimi is that Himalayan town where Indy meets up with Marion. Yeah, she's she's the the Zori Bliss maybe running a bar in this equation. Yeah, right. And but you know, going deeper into that movie, that whole get the dagger to find the wayfire to find Exegol, the little like get the amulet to make the st- you know to get to the map room to find the ark. You have the giant snake cave is kind of like the well of souls. You have a sort of like weird like religious ceremony going on at the climax. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you think uh, I think JJ Abrams just fell asleep watching? <laughs> watching oh Raiders? yeah, woke up and thought it was his. All thought it was his idea. I think yeah. so. The all those like Jedi ghosts who talk to Ray. Those are the the angel of deaths that shoot <laughs> out of the, 
Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> Palpatine explodes, kind of like the, uh, yeah. the oh crap, what was his name? The, the guy dressed up as the priest. Uh, um, is it Belloc? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Belloc. Babu Frick is that monkey that does the Sig Heil. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe the, the Simeong, the guy that... Uh, oh, yeah. He's a fascist monkey who repairs Kylo Ren's mask. <laughs> like, there's a fascist monkey in both movies. Mm. <laughs> I, I, I like Kajimi. It, it, aside from initiating that sort of uh, sequence for me, I just think it's a cool-looking place. The first half of the movie, it's it, there's a lot of, like... It's kind of like weirdly lit where you don't see it so well. But then once once Kylo is fighting with Rey, it no longer has this kind of weird blue filter. And it's kind of kind of cool looking. Well, after my second watch through here, my my uh, I guess love of of Hoth is, is shining through, I guess, because I ended up going with uh, with Crate, a.k.a. Salt Hoth uh, for my favorite planet. I just I don't know. I like the, the abandoned rebel base is fun. Um, you know, the the contrast between like the salt covering and, you know, the, the red earth underneath is a lot of fun. The whole first order attack in, you know, Luke and, and uh, Kylo showdown, just all of that kind of factored into it. And of course the crystal critters. <laughs> of course. Star Fox. Um, yeah. The, the, the use of red, coming after the the Snoke room mm-hmm. where the red is sort of like Snoke's blood to have that, especially the scene where Kylo Ren, you know, slices through Luke and his boot leaves the red trail. Yes. That's mm-hmm. really something that's very, almost like Kurosawa esque and, and it's sort of cinematography. I'm, I'm willing to bet they, they came up with that idea and then worked backwards to the planet, but hey, whatever, it works. Whatever it takes to get there, um, yeah. that's great. I love that guy who tastes it and says, salt. <laughs> salt. <laughs> I'd love to be him on a different planet taste it and be like, huh, anthrax. <laughs> <laughs> just falls over. <laughs> he's, he's holding out for them, that death stick planet, Scott. One day they're going to find it. <laughs> that's right. Speaking, Speaking of, of death sticks, <laughs> our, our last category of the night. Did you like that transition? <laughs> I love it. You just set it up, uh, you know, like Tom Cruise just throwing the beach ball up. <laughs> I'm going to spike it down now without my shirt mm. on and very tiny shorts. Where in the sequel trilogy is the best place to hide your death stick stash? Uh, let's see. You could hide it under a brick on New Dagobah, <laughs> like Leia's lightsaber. Mm-hmm. You could hide it in a quicksand cavern guarded by a comically large snake. You could hide it in C-3PO's Forbidden Memory Bank that, for <laughs> some reason, is a thing. You could beat this dead Palpatine one last time. You could hide it inside uh, Maz's castle <laughs> with all the other <laughs> crap you shouldn't ask questions about. <laughs> That's right. Um, but my, my pick was in, in the, uh, the other side closet in the Emperor's throne room. My pick is there's nowhere to hide them in the sequel trilogy because Babu Frick is going to smoke them all up. <laughs> You're right about that. That dude is toasted 24-7. <laughs> well, <laughs> were there any categories you thought about, uh, you thought about doing but then aborted? 
No. Um, I was like, I thought about doing like a the Wilhelm scream, but they're not in, they're not, there isn't even one in every movie. Well, you know what there is in every one of, in every of something, and that's a fur jacket award in every time we release our first of the month episode. This was chock full of options. We have three whole movies to choose from. Was there some particularly most uh, conspicuous thing on this watch through for you? I live for furs. I worship furs. Gold jacket, green jacket, who gives it? Oh, please, won't you see my vest? I don't know. Maybe it's a cop-out, but I I looked for, you know, since, since the man himself appears. Wow. This is bad. <laughs> since, since, you found your death stick stashed in Yeah. <laughs> since... Since the man himself appears in Force Awakens, um, you know, I was keeping an eye out for anything I hadn't, you know, hadn't seen. But uh, there, there is no substitute, Scott. I've, I've got to, got to continue giving it to the original. You can only imitate. You can never duplicate. There's my cop out. <laughs> I actually noticed he appears earlier in that scene than I previously thought. He's like playing chess or something very early on in it. Really, I did not catch that. It's all over that scene. I, I just I know the scene where he is now, and I just I always look for him. I'll have to go back and try and find him again. I went. This is like very obscure, uh, and it's I almost went with a category of best beast of burden. Oh, that's a good one. They ride a lot of things in these movies, right? Those those horses that they storm the star destroyer on, hmm. the things that they rescue instead of slave children on uh, Monte <laughs> Calderon. Mm-hmm. But a very obscure pick is that at like right around 15 minutes in to Force Awakens, it's it's all through the 15 to 16 minute. There's that guy that Ray rescues BB-8 from. Yes, I'm. I could never make up my mind. Is that thing a robot or is it like an like a like a thing like an animal? I think it's the the guy or the thing he rides. The thing he rides. I think the. I wasn't sure if he was wearing a suit, but the the thing I couldn't tell if it was like in kind of the same kind of suit getup or if it was. I thought it had a suit, almost like a heavily armored knight's horse or something. Mm-hmm. That's a controversial pick for the desert planet. I'll say that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's very slow moving, and if you watch it kind of lumber around, Chris, it moves with all of the elegance of. Two kids dressed up as a donkey for a, like, a shopping <laughs> yeah. mall Christmas pageant. Yeah, I, I paid attention. Like in the scene, like a second later, like it's still like maybe fifteen feet <laughs> yeah. from its legs. People. Do not appear to be work. Like left to right, like the front ones are pretty left to right coordinated, and the back ones are pretty left to right coordinated. Yeah, but they if- really look like three legged race. You know, this is two kids in a suit. Uh, I would love to find out if that's really what was going on with this creature or if it was a, you know, an animatronic or what, but the way that it walks like a Christmas pageant animal (laughs) was just too fun for me this time. Uh, I hope all of our viewers, uh, all of our listeners can keep an eye out for the way that thing kind of lumbers around next time they watch Force Awakens. Well, as always, we got to thank all of our listeners for sticking with us through this uh, incredibly long episode. Got to thank Computer Music All-Stars for the music we use on the show. 
got to invite our listeners to contact us at weservedroids at gmail.com. And if you'd like to call and leave us a voicemail about where you think uh, Maz got Luke's lightsaber from, you can call us at 512-WE-SERVE. That's 512-937-3783. You can mail Stick Stickly at P.O. Box <laughs> 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 um, You, uh, of course, can follow us on Twitter. <laughs> Was, was, is that Dick Stickly? <laughs> or is that, is that Dick Whiplash? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Couldn't resist. Um, you can uh, follow us on Twitter at We Serve Droids. You can check out the Facebook group. There are fun ways to come and to, to contact us. And of course, a big thing you could do is to rate the show, rate it with five stars, and to leave a nice review. Please just take a few minutes and do that. Uh, that's a big help. And I think that that's all we have, right, Chris? I believe that's it. All right. We'll see you in a month, if not sooner. Sounds good. See you then, Scott. Some other kid says, like, You'll get yours, Greedo. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Which I could see Scrappy Doo growing up to die in a bar fight. <laughs> Fair, yeah, that's true. Another of my favorite Scrappy Doo characters. <laughs> Who do you like for Vincent Price? <laughs> and Scooby Dumb was his like especially dumb cousin. Maybe for lack of a Jar Jar, I don't know, maybe Boss Nass? And Scooby D, are there she Gungans? Uh, Do they reproduce asexually? I have never considered that. Do they have one egg laying queen? It, is that Queen Boss Nass? <laughs> <laughs> the greatest Jedi have something to learn from Mr. Darth Sidious's third act heel turn. And we all say, oh well, there never was there ever A Sith so clever as magical Mr. Dothsidious He is friendly, he is old, he is nice He seems gentle and frail The Jedi will have a surprise For his veneer is merely a veil He can turn any Jedi he wants If you're afraid of losing your wife he is always deceiving you into believing that he can manipulate life. Was the game before you were in it? Granted emergency powers. He declares that he is the Senate, killing Jedi in hours. Then before he is found out as a liar, he has reorganized a galactic empire. And we all say, oh. Well, I never was there ever A Sith so clever as magical Mr. Dothsidious Oh, well, I never was there ever A Sith so clever as magical Mr. Dothsidious
thought I died from a fall. It was an epic death scene, but I'm alive on Exegol. Thanks to the steampunk machine, I'm basically Mecha Palpatine. Visually much more gross, my fingers can't be unseen, but my tempo remains morose. The dark side has kept me alive, and I have a dark master plan. For my spirit to live and thrive, for my past my mortal life spanned. And not long ago this phenomenal cat produced seven snow clones right out of a vat. And we all say, oh well, there never was there ever a Sith so clever as magical Mr. Darksidious. Oh well, there never was there ever a Sith so clever as magical Mr. Darksidious. You guys look like... What do they look like, Jimmy? Dorks. <laughs> they look like a couple of dorks.